interesting to note that we are one of the most fortunate generations who has ever served God on this earth. And the reason that I believe that is because if you go back prior to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, most people walked with God. In the garden, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Enoch, he was actually taken up. He did not even see death because he walked with God. And in the New Testament, it says, Emmanuel is God with us. In John 1, I think 14, it says, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us or with us. Even on the road to Emmaus, after the death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus walked with them. But there's something interesting that happens in John 2, and it's this. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. He wasn't saying destroy this building, this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. The temple, according to Exodus 25, is where God dwelt with his people. And so he's saying destroy this this structure where I've come to meet with my people, and I'll rebuild it in three days. And when you come back into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, know you not that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost and that his spirit dwells in you. There's a difference between walking with somebody and being in somebody. And so this morning we're singing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, but the presence of the Lord is in this place because he's in me. And that's a luxury that we have. They had to travel to a distant place to experience the presence of God. We're carriers of the presence of God, taking that out into the world. Do you see the difference between with and in? There's a significant difference so that any point I can stop what I'm doing or even as I'm doing, I can be acknowledging the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna sing it one more time this morning and I just want you to begin to acknowledge that. You see, miracles are possible all the time. Revelation is possible all of the time. The only reason we see them heightened sometimes in a corporate environment is because we begin to acknowledge them together. There's no difference. The Holy Spirit didn't technically come. He came in acts and dwelt among us or in us. But as we begin to acknowledge his presence, that's when things begin to happen in the atmosphere. So we're gonna sing it one more time this morning. Close your eyes and just begin to acknowledge the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the rush of angels' wings. I see glory. that you're going to practice that. Just practicing the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And actually next Sunday, we're going to be practicing a Sabbath Sunday and you'll be at home with your families. And I encourage you just to take time to sit down together and, and give attention and acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in your home. 
There are so many things about parenting and being married that can be fixed just in one acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit's presence. Sit down together and decide what is the purpose and the vision for our family? Because the kingdom of God is, is being advanced and we're deciding daily whether that we're being a part of what God's doing on earth. And it says in, in Habakkuk that, that if you write the vision down and make it plain, you can run that reading. So decide as a family, what are we here for? What is our purpose together? I was laughing the other day, we were talking about some events that happened in the month of August, people moving, people, lots of people moving and coming and going and a variety of things happen. And they're not happy accidents for all you Bob Ross fans. There's no such thing as a happy accident in God. It's all divine orchestration. And so you were put together with those people in that home, in that place for a divine purpose. So I just wanna encourage you of that this morning. Next Sunday, we're not gonna be here, but we're still gonna practice the presence, amen. Amen, as a family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. somebody to the right or to the left. Take a second because you're not going to see him next week. I want to give you extra time and practice some community too. my headset there it is thank you I want my hands so Pastor Tiffany and Pastor Stephen are gone today they are on um, a sabbatical for two weeks and uh, it was ordered by their staff we tried to get them to leave for a whole month and we couldn't get them to do it so they are um, just getting refreshed for the next two weeks if there's anything that you need um, you find Miss Patty or one of the members of our staff if they text you and ask you something church related just say enjoy your sabbatical period don't give them an answer love you guys I'm sure they're watching but I'm just I'm slightly teasing but I'm really not um, what's so important is that our leadership have vision for the direction that we're going and so we just they run and gun constantly and they're constantly just attentive to our needs and so just for a second we want to give them that time to um, be together and to um, just be acknowledging the presence themselves if you were here last week pastor tiffany i think taught a message called covered if you're here you're laughing because you know she she initially began talking about covered in both services and um she got a little crazy after that, and we prayed for some teachers and some administrators and some students. So I don't know that she actually taught half of what was in her notes. And uh, she asked Mackenzie and I to kind of communicate this morning. And so as I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit what direction to go, because I wasn't um, really looking for an opportunity to communicate, and um, I was asking him, and he kind of gave me some direction to stay back under this series of covered and, um, but I'm going to take it a different direction a little bit, and I'm going to go back to the beginning. If you remember the beginning of the year, we kind of began to set our sights on who we are in Christ. And um, you have the wristbands and all of the fun stuff. There's like five of them in my car right now. It's like somebody did a wristband drop. I'm not sure where they came from. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit telling me what he wanted me to teach. But um, so 
anyway, I'm going to kind of go back to that. I've recently started, thanks to my husband, I've started taking golf lessons. Any female golfers in the room? Nobody. I'm alone. I'm alone. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody. But the interesting thing, when I took my first golf lesson, Corey didn't put me on the cart and load up my, my clubs and take me to play 18 holes because he knew that I didn't have the baseline understanding of what I was doing to begin to play 18 holes. What Corey did is he took me to the driving range and he taught me things about how I should stand and how I should hold the club. Any, any interlockers in here? Nobody? Does anybody play golf in this whole building? Any interlockers? Y'all are crazy. I can't, I gotta do the baseball grip. I can't interlock. But he taught me the, the things, the, the, ba- the building blocks for my swing. And then when I did it wrong, he said, hey, wait, try this. But he didn't take me to the end, he took me to the beginning. And that's what we're gonna do today because where you start determines where you're gonna finish. And so I almost wanna remind you habitually in a sense, you know, a, a major league baseball player still hits off of the tee, right? Do they do that, Bailey? Yeah, because there's a muscle memory that they have to have to get up there and swing um, correctly when the ball is coming at them. And so I want this in Christ thing to kind of become a muscle memory for you so that then you begin to, to function out of it. I haven't even played any part of these notes. Sorry. I'm going to start today in Psalm 91, of course, because the series is called Covered. But before you check out on me, because you've heard this message 850 times, I promise there's going to be at least one thing in there that you've not heard. And we're just going to cover verses 1 through 4. I'm in the new living. Let's see, is she with me? Yeah. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. What does it mean to live or to dwell in the presence or in the shelter of the Most High? It's to live exactly how we were talking in the conscious awareness of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in me. It's to wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge that you're in me today and that I'm on mission with you. I didn't wake up to accomplish my own plans and my own dreams and my own goals. I woke up this morning to accomplish what it is that you have for me to accomplish today. I acknowledge that your presence on my life actually changes atmospheres that I walk into. I acknowledge that when I walk into the classroom or when I'm with the client selling the house or when I'm with the child, the the teenager, when I'm fishing, when I'm spreading mulch, that my presence actually changes atmospheres because of the presence on the inside of me. I acknowledge when I make the cup of coffee and and I serve it, it's more than just a cup of coffee. Because there's a biting presence coming through that. When I go to the grocery store and I walk the aisles, there's a biting presence that's walking the aisles with me. And that I'm looking and I'm listening and I'm, I'm acknowledging that there is something greater going on 
than all of this chaos. That's abiding presence. Bill Johnson said this, and I love it. He said, many people stop short of a divine encounter because they are satisfied with good theology. The word is the invitation to meet the person. And so there's this, this place that we can live or abide or dwell, and it's in the abiding presence. It's not in the theology, though that's good. It's in waking up every single morning and putting yourself back in the position of, of who you are in Christ and acknowledging the presence that lives and dwells within you and your partnership with that. You see, when I'm, when I'm sick, I don't pray necessarily to get healed. I am healed. I acknowledge the healing that's already on the inside of me, and I begin to live out of that. It's not a stress. I'm going to get ahead of myself on my notes. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow. What is rest? See, you're naturally taught that power is caused by force. Right? Think of any type of power. There's a force behind it. There's a, um, what's another word that I had on here for it? Pressure. If I were to swing a baseball bat and I were to hit the ball, I've applied force, right? If I want to make money, I need to grind and hustle. Spiritual things are the complete opposite. Natural power is force, but spiritual power is yielding. It's just simply yielding back to the work of the finished work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you find yourself in that place where you're exhausted by something or there's a situation that you are up against that keeps reappearing and you're exhausted by it, take a look. Are, are you applying force or are you yielding? Uh, the last time I think, I think it was the last time that I communicated, we talked about the concept of above the line living and below the line living. And it comes from this scripture out of 2 Corinthians. It says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, there's literally no actual line. But the line is an indicator or just a, just a visual representation that as believers, we coexist in two realms. There is a unseen realm and there is a seen realm, right? Everybody agrees with me. And in the unseen fixed realm, it's eternal. This is where, this is where we already are healed. These are where the things of God are not changing. They're yes and amen in Christ. And then under the line is this, this temporary world where we're in process, where we're born and we live and we die and we, we plant um, and, we, and things grow and then we reap. And that's below the line. And as believers, we coexist in both. And so every time an, an opportunity um, for stress or any type of negative behavior or emotion, honestly, comes at me, I choose in that moment, while I do exist below the line, there's the place that I can go that's above the line. And it's just a yielding. It's not a striving or a strain to get to that place. It's a, it's a pause and saying, Holy Spirit, if you feel rushed to make a decision 
are pressured to make a decision, don't make a decision. It's the biggest trap. How many of you done that? We bought this, remember that one time that guy came with a truck and we bought this furniture off the back of a truck? Anybody done something stupid like that? Don't lie. Don't lie. We were living, I think we were getting ready to move into our Libs Way house and it had two living rooms. And so we only had one living room prior to that and we needed another set of furniture. It was the stupidest. I did it with a car one time too. Anybody done it with a car? I bought a car, it was a lemon, and so I gave the lemon car back, and they didn't have what I wanted, but I wanted something right now. So I got the car that eventually lost more value. We can't even talk about it with Josh in the room. <laughs> right now. Right now got me in trouble, and it will get you in trouble. It's a pause. And it's an acknowledgement of the presence where we say, hey, this is what it looks like in this realm, but I'm not of this realm. I'm of this one. It's rest. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I think it's interesting we think, when you read this, you think positively of the word shadow, but a shadow is usually a dark place. But a shadow really is what appears to be a dark place is actually the nearness of God. What appears to be a dark place is really the nearness of God. Any Shabumi owners in the building? It was hot in July, right? And I did not own one of these shades. Now, everybody else in the entire world obviously owns one because if you look down the beach, it's just like blue and blue everywhere, right? Just sails everywhere. And so it was July, and I have a two-year-old, and um, we were going to the beach. And I went one day, and I, I died. I made it like an hour and 30 minutes, and I was like, because I'm always underhydrated, for the record. Water consumption is a problem. And so I'm always, like, by the time, like, an hour and a half in, and like, I have headaches, and I'm just ready to go. I'm done. I'm exhausted. I need three naps. And so the next day, I determined that I was going to last longer. And so I went to Ace Hardware, and I bought one of these Shabumi shades, right? They're the best thing you've ever. They're making a ton of money, too. I was, like, figuring out how much all that costs to make and how much I paid for it. And I was like, God, why, was that? why did I not have that idea first? But honestly, there's a place inside the shadow of my shabumi where I can last longer under intense circumstances. The first day I had the shabumi, shabumi I stayed six hours. And Caleb was super happy. <laughs> there's, there's a shadow place. And sometimes it could appear that it's a dark place. But the darkness is just the nearness of God. And we can be distracted by the darkness and feel like it is the absence of God, but it's always, for the believer, the nearness of God. I'm going to skip down to the last verse of this. We'll come back around. But it says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. And this is the part where I kind of want to talk about our position and who we are in Christ. This is a piece that I had never seen before in, in 36 years of a lot of indoctrination. But there's an image here that if 
Will you pull up one of those? I don't even care which one you pick. I got my TBN images coming. Just wait. You'll, yeah, TBN called. They want their graphic back. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Has anybody in here ever studied the tabernacle? In Exodus 25, verse 8, a couple people, um, God commands the Israelites to build a tabernacle for a place for him to dwell with his people. And it's just a tent because they're nomads at this point. And there's this outer court area. And uh, that's where the altar is and where they, they perform the sacrifices. And then you move beyond that into another portion of a tent, and it's the holy place. And this is where the incense is being continually offered, which incense is just representation of the prayers of God's people. And there's the table of showbread and multiple things in there. I encourage you to study it. There's some fun stuff in there. And if you have questions about it, go ask Nanny Sarah because she loves this stuff. And that's who I had to study with this week because she's a wealth of all that kind of information. But if you move behind the, what they call the veil, that's where the presence of God, excuse me, in that time dwelled. And inside of that holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant I want to I show you is actually a picture of Jesus. There are things in the Old Testament, if you're new to the word, that are pictures of Jesus. Um, they look like something, but as you begin to see Jesus, you begin to see that that really is a revelation of who he was in a different form. They call it like a shadow. So we would say this is the shadow and that Jesus is the substance. The Ark of the Covenant, um, the bottom part, I'm like making this thing ring. The bottom part of it um, is acacia wood. Ooh, that's even worse. I'll just turn it off. Is acacia wood. Now wood is a picture of humanity. And it's wrapped in gold or covered in gold, which is a picture of deity. Jesus was fully human and he was fully God. And the beauty of this is that in his humanity, he has the ability to have empathy for you. And in his deity, he has power. See, if he had empathy but no power, but if he had power and no empathy, he's fully God and fully man. The top is called the mercy seat, and it's actually 100% pure gold that was beaten, if you're familiar with the with the death, burial, and resurrection, it was beaten into place. And it's 100% pure gold because all of the work of Christ is divine. On top of it, these are cherubim. If you remember and you go back to the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned and they were kicked out of the garden, there were two cherubim set at the entrance to protect them from coming back in to the tree of life. Fast forward, Jesus is resurrected and Mary is on her way to the tomb and she walks in to find Jesus and he's not there and what does she find? It actually says there was a there was two cherubim or two angels, one at the head and one at the foot of where he had laid. It's a picture of the ark. Inside the ark, can we skip to that image? It's like a cutout. There you go. Inside the ark are three things. They're all a picture of man's rebellion. The Ten Commandments, which if you remember that story, Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. The people of Israel say, everything it says we will do. And then five minutes later, they're worshiping a golden calf. Interesting. I'm going to borrow your analogy. Something that I learned this week about the law. So interesting, so interesting. So imagine I said to you, you might have to help me with this because I've only listened to it a couple times, but imagine I said to you, I'm going to tell you to do something and I'm gonna give you the full instructions on how to do it. 
that would be similar to me giving you the law. And I said to DJ, he's pretty tall, DJ, I want you to jump and touch the roof. Mm. Mm. But I'm going to give you the instructions. See, what you do, you just bend at the knee, and then I want you to come up with an explosive force. And when you get to this point, I just want you to reach up. We good? Can you do it? No. That's the picture of the law. The picture of the law is this, that here's some instructions for you to, to do this, but I know you never will be able to do it. But you can do it if someone comes alongside you who has the ability to do that for you, to step in, because you will never, ever accomplish that, will you? And that's the law. See, God gave the law not as something that we measure up to, but a, as a realization that we never will measure up and we need a Savior. Did I get it pretty close? Pretty close? You want to correct anything about it? You good? Okay. Immediately, Moses comes down with the law. Everything it says we will do. Literally five. The, the next part, keep reading two more sentences. And they've begun to worship a golden calf. It's a picture of our rebellion, our inability to actually measure up to that law. The other thing that's in there is the um, pot of manna. And uh, you remember they murmured and complained. They said, first they said, we should go back to Egypt because at least there we had like potatoes and leeks or something like that. And so God rains down manna from heaven every single day and they still complained. And then the last thing that's in there is Aaron's rod. If you see that up there, see this is a rebellion against man's ordained authority. See, Aaron was the high priest and he was ordained by God, but the leaders of the 12 tribes did not want to respect and honor that authority. And so what they did is every person from each tribe brought, their, brought a rod and they set it uh, in the tabernacle, I believe, and they left it overnight. And when they came back, Aaron's rod was the one that was budding, proving that he was God's ordained person for that position. The whole point of all this is that everything inside of the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of rebellion. But what's beautiful about it is that the mercy seat in the throne of grace is always higher than your sin. See, you can't outsend the grace of God because God's grace actually swallowed it up. It's inside of it. God's grace can stop your sin, but your sin will never stop the grace of God. Every single time the mercy seat is going to be above that. Each year in the history of Jerusalem, though, how, many, how much time do I have? Am I doing all right? Yeah, I never can pay attention to that and think at the same time. Every year there's a day of atonement that the Israelites would practice. And this is the fun part. This is where you even begin to see um, the finished work of Christ even more. Is the priest would do this. I'm going to read this thing specifically to you so I don't miss any of the details. It says, before entering the tabernacle, Aaron was to bathe and put on special garments, then sacrifice a bull for a sin offering for himself and his family. The blood of the bull was to be sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant, which would be right there in that spot where the mercy seat arrow is pointing. Then Aaron would bring two goats, one to be sacrificed because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. And its blood was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. The goat was used, the other goat was used as a scapegoat. Aaron placed his hands on its head, confessed over it the rebellion and wickedness of the Israelites, and sent the goat out with an appointed man to release it into the wilderness. 
The goat carried on itself all the sins of the people, which were forgiven for another year. You see, the first goat that was offered appeased the wrath of God. But the second goat removed the sins of people and they were forgiven. And if you're familiar with that scripture, and I, what is it, Psalm 103, 12, that your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west. That's what that second goat was an image of. So Aaron would, would put the blood underneath of the cherubim. So the cherubim's eyes are no longer focused on man's rebellion. They're focused on the blood. You see, God can't see sin if it's covered in blood. Y'all aren't enjoying this as much as I am. Anybody, anybody not going to hell in the building? <laughs> the, he that dwells in the, in the secret place under the shadow of his wings. This is literally where you are seated in Christ. This week your homework is to go read the rest of Psalm 91 and see all of the promises because we focus on that part all of the time. I'm not going to do it again. But I want you to see what happened that got you to the place where you can actually, it says in Matthew that the veil was torn. The place, the thing that separated the people of God from the presence of God actually was torn from top to bottom at Christ's, Christ's death. You have access. You're in Christ. You're not walking with God and, and journeying to a place to be in the presence of God. You're in that place. And you're in that place because of this right here. Because a fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ offered himself. And now he's seated. You see, we don't have to make the sacrifice anymore. It was once and for all, and he's seated. There's, this is Hannah's opinion. But I don't ask for the forgiveness of my sins anymore. I thank God for the forgiveness of my sin that already happened. It was done 2,000 years ago. There's no need necessarily for me to begin to beg and plead for forgiveness. It was already done. But what I do do is I acknowledge my righteous standing because of that sacrifice. I say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that because I'm in Christ, those sins have already been dealt with. The penalty for that sin has already been paid. So I'm not going to experience the penalty for my failures and my weakness because it was already put on Christ. Not, oh, please forgive me, I'm a failure. You go there, you stay there. I mean, even, even modern psychology will teach you that if you, if you go to that place of guilt and shame, you actually force yourself to repeat the cycles. But if I can go to the place of, of acknowledging Christ in that moment and that it's his righteousness, not mine. It says if you, if you want to be measured by the law and you fail at even one thing, you fail at all of it. So if you put yourself, if we put ourselves under the place of that, of that law-abiding uh, earning of our right standing and you fail at one, you've failed at all. Why not just put yourself in right standing in Christ who didn't fail? It's a, it's a challenge. You know something that I have been pondering lately? It says um, that God called David a man after his own heart, Right? And you hear a lot of theories about why he did this. It said because he was quick to repent. There are plenty of people in the Bible who are quick to repent, that he didn't call a man after his own heart, so it couldn't have been that. Um, some of them say that he was obedient. I don't know where they got that from. 
There were people who were far more obedient than David. Do you know why David was called a man after God's own heart? It's because he was the person who was um, bent on bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the temple in Jerusalem. You see, it had been stolen and not recovered for a while, and David was the person who, who wanted to make much of the Ark and bring it back to its place. So as a new covenant believer, we are people after God's own heart when we make much of Christ. It's easy to get hung up in, in how Hannah behaved and what Hannah did right or what Hannah earned. But when I begin to make much of what, who Christ is, that's when the blessings and the favor and just the peace and the rest begin to operate in my life. It's not anything that I have done. It's everything that he's done. Disciplines are good. Sometimes works and discipline can be confused. So I will, disciplines are good, but only if they're pointing you back to the finished work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Fasting is good if it's pointing you back to the finished work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Solitude, all of those things. Community, they're good. They will not earn you a place in heaven but they should point you back to the finished work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the same gospel power that saved you is the same gospel power that sanctifies you. It's the acknowledging and the yielding to it. It's not the force and the pressure. It's the pausing and the yielding. And I know that is probably a lot to process because we, we're so attentive to our behavior. Take your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on Christ. The more you focus on behavior, actually the more self-consumed you become. Everything in the kingdom is opposite of what it is in the world. You see, if you want to get healthier or fitter, we teach you to eat right and to exercise and to become more self-consumed. Sorry for workout people. But you're self-absorbed. <laughs> really? I mean, I'm not being ugly. That's the reality of how that thing works, right? But in the kingdom, it's opposite of that. I become more Christ-absorbed, and then the behavior that I don't want falls off. There's this scripture about, um, in the end of Galatians, it says, against such there is no law, Right? If I'm operating in the, in the fruits of the Spirit, it says against such there is no law. The reality of that is that when I'm, when I'm in the Spirit, the Spirit is the thing making me righteous. It's not, it's not me being, um, it's not me forcing myself into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, blah, 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 blah. It's me yielding back to that thing. And then the Holy Spirit brings about the righteousness. It's not Hannah trying to get away from sin. It's about Hannah stepping in to who she is in Christ. And then all of those behaviors just function naturally. If I'm following the Holy Spirit, he's working those things in my life. It's not like, oh, God, please give me patience. Even though I do need that. 
and saying, Holy Spirit, I actually know that I already have patience. It's in my spirit, man. So I thank you for the grace and the empowerment that you're bringing up in me right now to function in patience and not put my hand around my kid's neck. <laughs> right? Not, uh, don't ask. First of all, never pray for patience. You're crazy. But it's as simple as that. It's not a theology, though it is. It's a yielding. And that's where we live covered. Miss Annie, you can go ahead and come up with me. I'm fast today. I'm going to beat the Baptist to breakfast because it's early. Not even lunch. It says the Spirit fulfills the law of righteous, the law's righteous requirements as you follow Him. And it's much like another another analogy. Anybody got their driver's license? I'm going to get, yeah, people are going to actually raise their hand this time. I'm not here by myself. If you got your driver's license, you did have to study a manual, right? The manual's not bad. The manual's good. But the manual doesn't actually teach you to drive. It teaches you concepts about how to drive. But the reality is that a driving instructor, somebody, a parent or a grandparent or an older sibling got in the car with you and taught you step by step how to, how to drive. That's the Holy Spirit. He wants to get inside the car with you and teach you how to drive because you're already in this place. You're covered. But there's a place that you can live inside of that covering where it's just a daily, it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered. And when they're ordered, they're not walking into chaos and confusion and um, they're walking into peace. They're walking into provision. And so I just wanna maybe remind you who you are in Christ this week. This is what gives us access to that place and that that in, not with, presence of the Holy Spirit. When that veil was torn, we received everything we needed in Acts 2 to live this life and not, this is an invitation to the greatest life. I've never not served God, but I don't ever want to not serve God. There's nothing that it has to offer that even remotely appeals to me at this point in my life. Because there's a place under the feathers, under the wings of the cherubim, where there's, there's shadow and there's protection and there's safety. And there's somebody else in the driver's, in the, in the passenger seat who's ordering steps. Something that I've always, it's been in my notes for a long time, something the Holy Spirit said to me was that, you know, we can get so focused on the um, other people's sin. And he pointed me back to myself, you know, you need to, if you're focused on somebody else's behavior, it's because you don't want to deal with the plank in your own eye, right? If you're so worried about what everybody else around you is doing, stop it. You really, that is even more of an indication that you need to turn it inward a little bit. 
But he said to me this, he said, you'll never, you'll never arrive. We'll never jump and hit the ceiling until we're in heaven. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is that he knows what's before me and he knows the ordered steps of the things that need to be dealt with in Hannah because he knows what's coming. You see, Hannah might have needed the Holy Spirit to, to, to help her overcome some areas in her financial life that Jesse doesn't need. Jesse might need to know something about healing and health, but the steps of a righteous man are ordered because the Holy Spirit knows. And that's why I can't put on Steve what the Holy Spirit's working in me. Because it's not for me, it's not for Steve. How many times do you see people do that? The Holy Spirit's dealing with them in an area and then they're frustrated with everybody else. And you laugh because it's true. It's for you. The steps of a righteous man are ordered. When the Holy Spirit deals with you, do not deal with everybody else. Deal with yourself, please and thank you. Me too. But not in a sense of, of condemnation, but because there's something coming on the horizon that the Holy Spirit knows that you need to be prepared for. I hate when something comes, I'm a three on the Enneagram, so preparation is super important to me. Josh was trying to get me to go play 18 holes and I'm not prepared. I haven't even learned how to putt yet. But we're going into some of life's battles and, and we're unprepared. But there's an instructor a comforter, a counselor, a standby, a peace giver. And I can walk in that covered protection because of who I am in Christ. There's something that I love too that it says, I think it's back in verse two, it says, this I declare about the Lord. Let me go find the whole scripture real quick. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. That's where this peace comes together for all of us. This I declare about the Lord, Bryce, that you're covered, that everything you have need of is already in the spirit man on the inside of you. This I declare about the Lord that he, he guided me, Stephen. He directed me and he ordered my steps. This I declare about the Lord that I have wisdom for parent to grandparenting in your season. You already passed the one step. This I declare about the Lord, your steps are ordered. Your steps are ordered, little boys. That's who we are as believers. And that we remind ourselves we're doing like David and we're bringing Christ back to the center. We're bringing the work of the Holy Spirit back to the center. This I declare about the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning and in us. That we don't walk with you, we walk in you. And I thank you that you've ordered our steps and that you're leading and you're guiding and we will not be worried or stressed or we will not act by force, but we will rest in the shadow even on the days that it seems dark. We know that it's your nearness because we're covered 
and that the blood has covered our rebellion. That when God looks down in his justice, all he sees is the blood of Jesus. And we don't use that as an excuse to continue in sin. We use that as an opportunity to rely on the Holy Spirit to begin to do his work. I'll never touch the ceiling, but I do submit my heart. I submit my heart to the instructor. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to believe and to be a part of the grand scheme of your kingdom. And so this morning as a people, we just submit ourselves to you again. We thank you. We, we are so thankful for our righteousness. We acknowledge that not one of us can touch the ceiling. Not one of us can measure up to your law. But in Christ we can. And so we just celebrate that this morning. We're so thankful. that the pressure is not on us the pressure is on you as we yield we become and it's all because of Jesus everybody said amen everybody good this morning you got a second for like a couple of announcements y'all are about to fall asleep Um, next Sunday is Sabbath. Practice this in your own homes with your own people. Uh, the week after that, September 11th, we're going back to our back to school hours. And all that means is that both service times will be pushed back 30 minutes. So service times beginning September 11th will be 9 and 10:30. If you are interested in missions, something interesting to note. Do you have all of this stuff on here? I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. If you're interested in missions, um, on September 14th, Seth and Roxanne are going to be having an interest meeting. Make sure that you um, get to that and get some information about what they're doing. It's This is the beginning of, um, this is not a trip. This is the beginning of a, of a culture at Coastal. Also, September 7th, we have small group leader training. This week, we do not have prayer because Pastor Stephen and Tiffany are on sabbatical, and so are the staff. So there will be no prayer on Wednesday. What did I miss, baby Doug? Did I get them all? Marriage conference. Okay. And it's called Tighten the Knot. So this is just a save the date. There's going to be a um, conference-style uh, marriage thing that we're going to be doing September 23rd and 24th. It's evenings. I think that's a Friday and Saturday evening. Um, it's called Tighten the Knot. I believe there's going to be, we're still sorting out some of those details, though. It will be a minimal cost because I think we're going to be doing some food. It's basically two pre-designed date nights. So Mackenzie is going, do you have a sign up for that somewhere? Where at? On the app where everything is. Tomorrow, Megan's going to send you an email because I don't remember half of the things I'm supposed to tell you. If you came prepared to give, you know the drill. Hey, thanks for... Um, She's laughing at me. You do know the drill. You guys, I know you know the drill because thank you so much. We were able to um, get all the shoes that we needed to get. And so, yeah, every single time there's an opportunity, you guys are amazing. And all the bills are paid here and then some. So thank you for your faithfulness. Um, 
My prayer is that you see it back in your own lives. That's a promise, so I know that you do, that you're walking in it already. I think that is everything. If you want to stay for another one, Mackenzie's doing second service, so it's going to be a completely different message. Um, But we love you guys. Have a great Sunday. We will see you on the 11th, not the 4th. Hello, everyone. Hey, I'm Pastor Stephen. This is Pastor Tiffany. We just want to thank you for joining our online worship experience today. And uh, grateful to have you. we got some information that we want to pass on to you. Maybe you can connect up with us here real soon, uh, back on another online worship experience. We'd love to connect with you. And if you just take a moment and download our Coastal Family Church app, you're going to find a great card on that section. Just take a moment and submit that and fill that out. We'd love to put a free gift in your hand and also slip a letter in the mail letting you know more about Coastal Family Church and any upcoming events we have. Maybe this is your first time with us. And again, we just want to say thank you. If you call Coastal Family Church your home, we want to let you know that there's several ways that you can give also on our app or on our website. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Pastor Stephen. Hey, we'll see you soon. You guys have a great day.